This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Welcome to the championship rounds of Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Big man out today, a bit under the weather. So we go to the bullpen. We bring in one of the finest arms in the game, Gabe Neitzel, alongside Joe Fortenball. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Court storming. A big topic of conversation today after what happened in the Wake Forest-Duke game on Saturday. Cabe and I both maintain if that happens in November, we're not talking about it. We're not, not talking about it. Zero chance. <laughs> but, but a serious topic nonetheless. We're going to get more into that down the line. Evan Wilner, our producer, has put together his top 10 list. Top 10 rules that we're going to institute in order to have a proper court storming moving forward. That's coming up in 10 minutes. 10 minutes? 15 minutes? 10, 15, eh, we'll let you decide. We'll figure it out. Tune in in 10, give us the five. Yeah, tune in in 10 and then hang tight. We'd appreciate the five. Uh, you don't know how the system works, but it would be great for us. Carlin versus Joe <laughs> on ESPN Radio. All right, friend of the program, Brad Biggs, Chicago Tribune. He's been covering the Bears forever. He joined the show about a half hour ago. We wanted to know the thoughts in Chicago as we get set for this week's scouting combine in Indianapolis. Because if you remember, this is what the Bears were telling us. By this point in the season, by the NFL scouting combine, they would know the direction of the franchise. Whether they're going to keep Justin Fields as their starting quarterback and trade the number one overall pick, or trade Justin Fields and go with perhaps Caleb Williams at number one overall. Here's what Biggs had to say about the pick. How in the world could the team with the first pick in the draft, a team that's been trying to replace Sid Luckman since the end of the 1940s, <laughs> come out of this draft without their number one quarterback? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because if you trade with Washington and you think Washington's coming to get Caleb and Caleb isn't your top guy, well, once you trade with Washington, you don't control the pick anymore. Anything could happen. Washington could turn around and flip the pick. Who knows? So, um, it's going to be fascinating. Oh, by the way, these guys have got a ton of salary cap room. Now, everybody got a boost with the cap going up uh, so much, but a huge offseason for the Chicago Bears. Important to keep in mind because what Bigsy's basically debunking, or not debunking, just arguing against, is the idea that if the Bears were to trade the number one pick to, say, Washington and move down to number two, but they still like a quarterback, say a Drake May, a Jaden Daniels, a J.J. McCarthy, that they could go ahead and draft that guy. Well, Bigsy it sounds like would maintain, if you like that guy, draft him at number one because there's no guarantee that Washington comes up and does exactly what you want them to do, setting you up to double dip, essentially stockpile draft picks and get your guy. Is that how you heard it, Gabe Neitzel? Would that not be the most ultimate thing that could happen to the Chicago Bears? They think they're being cute. They think they're outsmarting everybody. They're trading back to number two going, hey, I mean, we we already know who our guy is. It's not Washington's guy. They're going to go. They're going to take Caleb. We've got our eye on one of those other three quarterbacks. And then somehow that guy actually ends up going number one. Like, that would be the most Chicago Bears thing ever. Yes, if you like a player that much, do not be cute, especially at that position. If, if Drake May is your guy, if Jaden Daniels is your guy, who cares what anybody else thinks? If that's your guy, you go get your guy because you haven't had a great quarterback in forever. So go get him. To me, it's that simple. You already have your own pick coming up at number nine. You've got extra draft capital. It's just greedy to go for more if that's the route you decide to go. One of my favorite sayings, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. So many people get caught up trying to make the perfect decision, have the perfect day, the perfect vacation, the perfect job. They try to make the perfect decision 
And as a result, they end up pigeonholing themselves or they overthink it, overanalyzing it. Sometimes it's about this. Just don't make the worst decision. Like eliminate the worst decision from the table and then start your process. And that would be a ridiculous decision. The idea of, okay, we really like option B, but we're going to go ahead, trade the pick, stockpile, and then after Washington takes Caleb, we'll take option B. Who's to say that Washington isn't thinking the same way you are? If there's a reason you have someone rated Caleb Williams number two or number three and someone higher, it's possible another team could be thinking that as well. So why try to thread this ridiculous needle when you don't need to? You got the number one pick in the draft. You control the draft. If there's a guy out there you like, go take him and be done with it. And how about this? Have a 4,000-yard passer for the first time in franchise history since you're the only franchise that is yet to do that. So embarrassing. But as, as Biggs pointed out as well, I mean, not only do they have the extra draft capital because they have two, not just first-round picks, top 10 picks in this year's draft, they have a bunch of salary cap space. So it's not as if they need to stockpile drafts to kind of make up for bad decisions that they've made before and don't have the picks, don't have the money, any of these things. You have other ways other than just stockpiling draft picks to potentially rebuild or build up that offense because they had a defense that was pretty good in the back half of last season. It's it just it's so simple. Take the quarterback you want at number one. Trade Justin Fields. Start building. I, I don't understand why the Bears are making this seem so hard. I think this is a lot of this is on us. Just overthinking all of this. If Fields was the guy, the Bears would endorse him. You don't treat the guy the way the Bears are treating Justin Fields. It's very clear. Like, could you imagine the Chiefs treating Patrick Mahomes like this? Well, you know, Patrick's got a contract coming up. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, he had a pretty good season. And, uh, you know, we'll figure out by the combine if we want to do something. You'd be sitting there like, what are you talking, what are you, an idiot? It's Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. You just sign him. Like, give him all the money. All the money in the world. Just give it to him. It's Patrick Mahomes. Like, why would you even say something like that? Same thing with the Bears. Like, you wouldn't be saying this stuff if Fields was your guy. So it's clear to me they're trading the pick. Or they're trading fields, yes. and then they're going to go ahead and draft Caleb Williams. I think the most simple solution is going to be the right solution here. But there are franchises that like to make questionable decisions. The Bears have been one of them. And then there's these guys. Oh and boy. I need to get your thoughts on this. Maybe I'm overthinking this one. Maybe I'm not. The Arizona Cardinals, who have been way too quiet for the Arizona Cardinals over the last how many months, <laughs> just seemingly doing things the right way, very quietly, not making noise, decided they were going to make some noise today. They tweeted out a quote, our franchise QB. That's what the tweet says, our franchise QB. And then it's a picture of Kyler Murray. Now, I don't think anyone was asking who their franchise QB was because Murray came back from injury last year, played, and the entire organization kept saying, yeah, he's our guy. And then for some reason today, the Cardinals, the week of the scouting combine, send this tweet out, our franchise QB, with a picture of Murray. It's like we knew that. Are you trying to signal something else? Now, this is the same franchise, mind you, that in 2019 tweeted out, quote, Josh is our guy with a picture of Josh Rosen. Then they drafted Kyler Murray a few months later and traded Josh Rosen. So with a history of shenanigans regarding tweets like this, they send this tweet out. What, what am I supposed to make of this? Because I'm already, my mind's spinning like crazy that they're trying to drum up some interest for Kyler Murray in a trade, but they just told me a few months ago he was their guy. And this was clearly some sort of scheduled tweet because like, <laughs> was it at like exactly not, 10 a.m.? Well, no, but it's like the, the picture of that they use. It's not just like a candid picture of him playing in a game. No, it's it's 
one that somebody took time of and they took three action photos and they put it into this nice looking poster type thing. And it's not as if they, oh, here's a video of Kyler Murray doing his workouts in the offseason. Let's just tweet out the video of him working out, showing everybody how hard he's working, saying, hey, that's our franchise guy. No, this was just something like, hey, we're bored. Let's go ahead and put out a picture of Kyler Murray and call him our franchise quarterback. And again, they have to know that this happened five years ago with with Josh Rosen. I, I don't. I might push back I, on that. It is the Cardinals. They might have no <laughs> recollection of this. They might just be operating in bliss as if they're just handling their business the right way, and the rest of us are out to lunch. I, I, if, I mean, if any other team did this, if the Cowboys did this with Dak, well, that's a bad example because we would do the exact same thing. But if the Packers did this with Jordan Love, wouldn't they just be made fun of? Like, yeah, we know he's the franchise quarterback. Right. What are we doing? Like, imagine if the Chiefs send it out. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, we get well, it. Yeah, we all see it. We're tired yeah. of talking about him. We've had enough. He's your franchise guy. You made a great move trading up with Buffalo, of all teams, to get the pick and select him. Um, it's not his birthday. Evan looked that up. So they weren't tweeting it out. We've got that angle covered. We have no news that a new Call of Duty has been released anytime soon. (laughs) He's synonymous with Call of Duty. There's no footage of him beating Call of Duty or winning some sort of Call of Duty league. So they just decide the week of the combine they're going to send this out. Now, maybe it's just some clever trolling. Are we to believe anything possibly is going on here? That maybe just maybe the Cardinals sitting at number four are interested as to whether or not somebody out there might be willing to trade for him. And this is kind of a signal like, hey, we are open for business. We might not move on from him, but we'll listen if you have something to say. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals actually being smart enough to troll everybody, I think those are the longest odds, right? I'm, I'm not giving them I'm not giving them that benefit of the doubt. I would say, yes, it's more of a, hey, remember this guy's out there, and if you're interested, yes, you too can have Kyler Murray and his contract all you need to do is pick up the phone. Who would you rather have if you were looking for a quarterback right now? A trade for Kyler Murray and his contract or a trade for Justin Fields? Ooh. I think I would rather go with Kyler Murray. Interesting. Because a lot of that, a lot of the money that's also tied up to him was signing bonus money. You're not on the hook for that. That's the Cardinals would be on the hook for that. I think I'd rather have Kyler Murray than Fields because with Fields, the problem is I still don't know. I have a better idea of what Kyler Murray is. It's not a top 10 quarterback, but I think it's a quarterback that I can win with if I surround him with the right pieces. The stuff that's problematic with Murray is all that leadership stuff. You hear about he's not really like the first guy in, the last guy to leave, the great leader in the locker room. There's some immaturity concerns. There was the whole contract thing that we went nuts over. Yeah. With the, we, we, we need like a certain amount of... joke there. Right. Yeah. Like a certain amount of, uh, of study time. And he comes out and he's like, of course I study. And it's like, well, I doubt that this is in Mahomes' contract. Right? <laughs> like, again, coming back to Mahomes, I don't think it's like, hey, Patrick, so this one little clause, we're going to need you to put in X amount of study hours. Like, why would you even think to do that? Right, You'd only do something like that and write in language like that if it was a bona fide concern. So if you're a team like the Steelers, who would you rather have, Murray or Fields? Probably Fields because I could at least try to play him for a couple years before I'd have to pay him. You could make the trade, bring him in, test him out for a year. Carlin said this last week. I disagreed because I think if you're making the move for Fields, you're giving him a contract. But given this option, I would rather trade the pick, bring him in, and if I don't like him, move on from him rather than bring in Murray, assume the contract, and then have to try to – it'd be harder to get out from if it's a mistake, right? There's red flags with both guys. When you're trying to find quality candidates, 
Much like several teams looking for a quarterback right now, all the searching, screening, and interviewing can become a job in and of itself. You need Indeed, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to interview, screen, and hire quality people. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. We think court storming should stay in college basketball. We'd like to find a way, but it's got to have some rules. Top 10 list coming up next. Gabe Neitzel, Joe Fornball, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. These are people who belong where they are, who are being run into or whatever the case may be, by people who absolutely do not belong where they are. I think it's important because you want to have you know that special moment for the student athletes and the student body to share that moment together. If you can't do it safely, you've got to eliminate it. At least give the impression that you can't do what you want to do. You can see they are ready to jump the wall. They are ready to storm the floor. You can see it's happening. The only people that aren't ready are those that need to prevent it from happening or at least prevent it from reaching a certain scale. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, alongside Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortenball. Big topic of conversation today, the court storming that took place at Wake Forest Saturday after the Demon Deacons took out the Blue Devils. Star player from Duke, Kyle Filipowski, gets dinged up on the court during the storming, had to be helped off. Some are saying sprained ankle. We don't have all the details as to the injury right now, but it's got people talking about whether or not court storming should be banned. Evan Wilner, the producer of this fine program, has put together his top 10 list. Now, to be clear, what exactly is the list? These are the top 10 rules for court storming. These could be rules if you actually get on the court, but these are also rules for when it is okay to storm the court. Okay, so we're going to allow court storming. This show wants to be pro-court storming, but we need to institute some law and order in order to do the court storming. So, with that being said, 
Mr. Wilner, take it away. Yeah, number 10, you have to wait until the game actually ends. <laughs> Wake Forest was on the court with .3 seconds left on the clock. They're, they're at the free throw line by .1. Wait until the game actually ends. Seems fair. Number 9, you can't do it against Duke anymore. That's been done. You can't call Duke overrated and then think every win against them is big enough to storm the court. They're 21-6 and six this year. You did something that six other teams did. Congratulations. You can't storm the court against Duke anymore. It's played out. Number eight, you can't storm the court if you're the reigning national champs. No win in the last calendar year is bigger than you winning the national championship. You can't storm the court if you're the defending champs. Have no. we seen, can I just chime in, have we seen that happen? I believe it happened Probably. recently because of the the one and done. Teams like win the national championship and then the next year they're not ranked and they win a big game. Oh, okay. I think that's fair. That's a good one. Uh, number seven, look where you're going. Don't just run on the court and act like you're on Instagram and your story's more important. Look where you're actually going when you're storming the court. Number six, the game has to be on national TV. The biggest part of storming the court is the moment, is to have that visual of them storming <laughs> the court. I'm sorry. Fairly Dickinson, if you beat Rutgers, you can't storm the court if the game's on Channel 9 in New Jersey. It's got to be on national it's TV. It's got to be on national TV. National TV. What about something like the Big Ten Network? Is that still national That's TV? That's national TV, yeah. Okay, all right. Jeez, uh, you're a real stickler here. Number five, <laughs> the players have the right of way. I think that's self-explanatory. You move around the players, they don't move around you. Number four, the losing team has to be ranked. We can't storm the court if like, you beat a random team that is a big win for you, but that team's not ranked. Uh, what if a blue blood is unranked that year, but still a big name, and you're some nobody program 15-point dog? No, because you know what you're probably doing that whole game is chanting overrated. If they're overrated, you should have beat them. Don't storm the court. All right. Number three, you can only do it once a year. I went to Hofstra. They beat Old Dominion on a buzzer beater. The crowd stormed. Two weeks later, they beat George Mason when they were 25th in the country. It was the first ranked win in program history. You can't storm the the court two times in two weeks. Sorry, once a year. Once a year? Yeah. Number two, can't be in your own conference. Sorry, Wake Forest. You're recruiting against Duke. You should consider yourselves on the same level as Duke. You beat a team in your own conference. You can't storm the court. And number one, it's simple. Wake Forest was favored in that game by two and a half. You can't storm the court if you're the favorite. It's not an upset if you are the favorite team and you win the game. Those are the top ten rules for storming the court. Gabe, your thoughts? Uh, I mean, so again, uh, I'm I'm anti number two. Like, you have to do it in your conference. That's where the rivalries are. That adds a richness to it. So, pretty much what you're saying is court storming is banned from mid to late December and on. So, like now, when college basketball is actually relevant, we can't storm the court in in late February, early March. Those Correct. are also the teams you hate the most. Correct. Like you hate these teams. These rivalries, but, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Florida but, State, like those are the best upsets. But you storm the court because you beat a team that you're not on the same level as. Wake Forest, you need to consider yourselves on the same level as Duke. You've won but the you're ACC. Not. You're you, Wake yeah. Forest. But you have. You've won that conference in the past. Consider yourselves on the same level playing field. You have Tim Duncan. You have Chris Paul in your history. No, no Wake Forest shouldn't storm the court if they beat Duke. I mean, as far as the kids that storm the court are concerned, Tim Duncan played when Naismith invented basketball. That's forever ago at this point. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, rule number six, no alcohol. Alcohol leads to bad decision makings. No alcohol. Rule number three, no sex night after a huge win. <laughs> Can't celebrate more than once. Only get to storm the court. Can't celebrate later that night. It's like rule number four, next day, go to church. Pay it back. 
Can, can I get seems, a clarification? It seems, it seems very, this seems very strict. This is yeah. why we can't have rules for court stormings. It takes all the fun out of it. Can, I mean, once a year, are we talking about like once a season or once like a calendar year? So if you have an upset, um, you know, in January over a conference opponent, then have a big non-conference upset the following November, are you not allowed to because that's within a year? No, or it's, a great, this... it's a great question. Same okay. season? Yeah, unless you're the national champs. Again, if you're the defending national champs, I go back to that one. You can't storm the court. Yeah, Gabe, don't be an idiot. That rule was already laid out. <laughs> I do sorry. agree with number one. I think number one, far and yes. away, it belongs number one. I don't even think it's arguable. If you are the favorite, there is no court storming. Court storming is an underdog story. It is an upset story. It is mm-hmm. not like like was Russia going to storm the ice if they beat the United States in the uh, its semifinals of the 1980 Olympics? No, they were not because they were a heavy favorite. Soviet Union was a heavy favorite. Now, if the American fans wanted to storm the ice at Lake Placid, that was a huge upset. Makes plenty of sense if you follow all of Evans' other rules, which the United States had not won a gold medal the year before, so they would have been free to do that. I mean, I, by the way, with the defending champs As long as everyone was thing, not drinking, which I'd imagine yeah. some of those people were drinking. <laughs> I mean, one or two, probably. Yeah. Uh, but but the, here's the problem. I mean, that game, I guess, technically was on national TV, but that game was also on tape delay. So I don't know if that what, what that does with the national TV rule that, that Evan put out there. Uh, with the defending champs yeah, thing, that kind of sucks a, for, for the smaller schools. Like, you're just eliminating them because it's not a national TV game. I don't care if Fairleigh Dickinson beats Rutgers on Channel 9. But they care. It's for the kids. And oh, what's this? Kids. No, what's for the kids? What about the kids on the court? We're, we're not worried about that. Tough nil. Tough. <laughs> now that we're living in the age of nil, deal with it. <laughs> That's the response to everything. You've got some and money coming in. What is this? You're okay. not allowed to storm against Duke. Like everyone wants it's to overplayed. storm against Duke. It's overdone. They're 21 and six. They're not Duke anymore. Coach K is not even the coach. It's John Shire. It doesn't have the same feel. I don't know, it's man. It's not Duke anymore. Eh, it still is Duke. I mean, I mean, like, Duke is, you either love Duke or you hate Duke. Correct. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you beat Duke, it's, if you're a dog, the Wake Forest thing is absurd because they were a three-point favorite. It wasn't even like it was one point. It was three points. Uh, All right. Three I'm, points I'm, I'm was the same there. thing, essentially, Houston was over Baylor. Houston was at Baylor. They were laying two and a half. Damn, Baylor couldn't hit that free throw at the end of the game. You can tell I'm bitter. Uh, okay. You know what? Good list. I think it's controversial, but I think it's a good list. Well laid out. Thank you for putting the thought in. I agreed with a couple. Gabe, how do you feel about that? See, this yeah. is the problem with the rules, right? Like, it yeah, takes I mean, the fun out of it. Well, 100%. That's Again, that's why these kids want to do it. Because there are no rules. Right. It's the one, hey, there's no rules. I can just run on the floor. Who cares? I'm going. Yeah, I'm going before the clock even hits zero. That's a fair <laughs> rule. The fact that Wake Forest blew right through that one. Yeah, like, that's that, that's a tough one. That's always going to be a tough look for the student section. You can't, I mean, you got to let the game officially end. I would. Be interested in seeing a court storming with like eight minutes to go in the four, in the second half, though. I would be very interested in a court storming with a lot of game left to see how they sort through something like that. That's what you want, Caitlin Clark. They didn't even stop the game when she broke the record, but you want to see a court storming? That was absurd. She breaks <laughs> well, the record, I mean, game keeps playing, LeBron breaks the record, he shuts the game down personally, calls his whole family onto the court. Whether you wanted to stop that or not, it wasn't going down. Yeah, she's back there having to play defense. She's right. like sprinting. She pulls up from, from the logo and now has to go play defense? What are we doing? So I can think of at least one personality that used to work here that doesn't work here anymore that the next day would have been like, Caitlin Clark Mark didn't even get back on D. Selfishness, <laughs> all about the record. Gave up an easy bucket in transition because t- she was too busy trying to celebrate. 
I think we all know who I'm talking about. Wake Forest was getting it done on Sunday, brought to you by Granger. With supplies and solutions for every industry, Granger has the right product for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Do you want to weigh in on the court storming? Or these rules that Evan Wilner has come up with. Do we need to ban court storming? You're up next. Triple eight say ESPN. Triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. Triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. Carlin versus Joe. The People Show. The People will speak next here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Nice little weekend. 2-0 in the UFC. Up 3.7 units. Overall, 155, 171, and 2. Still down quite a bit. So we got some work to do as we look to climb out one NBA player prop for tonight's card. Keegan Murray of the Sacramento Kings. We're going over 13.5 points. That's at minus 125. Look at his home road splits. Keegan Murray on the road this year, 12 points per game, 42% shooting, 29% from deep. Ho-hum, right around average. At home this year, 18 points per game, 49% from the floor, 42% from deep. He played Miami, who he's playing tonight, a couple weeks ago, January 31st. He dropped 33 on him. Good matchup, good situation, good location. Pizza money, Keegan Murray of the Sacramento Kings, over 13.5 points at a price of minus 130. Filipowski looks like he's hurt, and that is ridiculous here in Winston-Salem. The students rush the floor, Kyle Filipowski being helped off the floor, and this has turned into a really ugly scene. I felt a bunch of hits on my body. This one was the worst of them. It's just really ridiculous. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off, and they're they're running on the floor. And this has happened to us a bunch this year. I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storm? Like, when are we going to ban that? You heard him, America. Duke head coach John Shire, when are we going to ban court storming? Alongside Gabe Neitzel, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. It's presented by Progressive Insurance. Calls, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Have we reached that point? 
Is it time to ban court storming? We'll let some of you check in. 888-729-3776. Gabe, your overall thoughts. Do you think it's time to eliminate this from the college basketball scene? I don't think it is. And even if you wanted to, I don't know what the practical solutions for doing it. I I don't know what those would look like. Okay, so let's say you add extra security. Sure. There are thousands of students in attendance. You think that those two extra security guards are going to be able to stop the mass of humanity flowing down from the stands onto the courts? doesn't seem like they've really got much of a chance. Once that student body decides they're going on the court, there's not much there stopping them from going on the court. Yeah, I, I came in today and I so didn't want to be the guy that said we have to stop this, we have to end it. The one thing that keeps gnawing at me, though, we've now seen this injury to Filipowski. We saw Caitlin Clark of Iowa get run over earlier in the year. The next time this happens and it's a really serious injury, we're all going to look to these incidents and say, look, there was plenty of proof that this was a problem. Why didn't we do anything? And then you create this liability concern, this knowledge concern, and then you essentially have the lawyers getting involved and it becomes a mess. Like if we were court storming for years and there was never a problem and then all of a sudden someone gets seriously hurt, it's viewed as more unfortunate and tragic than it is preventable. And then we discuss rules that we're going to put in place. But when you've seen instances like this where they aren't serious injuries, but people are getting nicked up, you have all the evidence you need to understand at some point in the future, someone could become more seriously hurt in one of these court stormings. And as a result, having that knowledge, you almost feel compelled to do something about it to prevent that from occurring. I hate the idea that I'm making that argument, but it's really difficult to look any other way at it. I think that, yes, student safety and first and foremost, player safety certainly has to be considered, which is why I think the best you can do is try to just kind of target a certain area of the court where kids can flow to and try to have a protected area where other that the other the visiting team can get off the floor. I think that's the only way you can do it, because what are other plausible? You say, oh, you can just, you know, we'll just ban court storming. I think it's more complicated than yeah. that. I don't know how you're keeping kids off the floor at that point. I, I keep going back to what happened in college football this year when Kansas, who didn't have the court access the way that you do at a basketball game, jumped over railings to get on the uh, to get on the football field. And not only that, then decided to take the goalposts out of the ground. Not only did they take the goalposts out of the ground, they then found a way to get them out of the stadium so they could throw it into a pond <laughs> on campus. It's kind of like, awesome. Incredibly to see. organized. Yeah, I mean, it, it was fantastic. Nobody got hurt other than the goalpost. And it's it's a situation where if a student body makes that decision, I'm not quite sure what the unless you're going to threaten to kick these kids out of school. I don't know what the actual practical solution for this is going to be. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Let's turn it over to the people. Ed in Louisville. Ed, thank you for the phone call. Your thoughts on court storming. Is it time to ban it? Well, my suggestion, fellas, is there's maybe a solution that wouldn't require banning. But let's say it's two parts. One is you got to allow the other team to get off the court. If you storm the court before the other team is safely off, your team forfeits the game. Whew. What's part that's, two? That's, you're, well, part two is if you hurt uh, a player from the opposing team, like Zolpowski, then for the next game, the opposing coach gets to choose a starter of your team that cannot play in that next game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Appreciate the phone call. Always like the outside the box thinking.
Uh, Wilner. Yeah, four, what do you got? I love the forfeit. Let's take it a step further. If you storm the court, you are not allowed to play in the postseason that year. We ban teams from uh, the right. postseason for so many things. You are banned from the postseason if you break the court storming rules. That's yeah, it. Yeah, but this is the whole thing where like the the scandalous college football coach creates an issue and then he flees and leaves the university to clean up the mess along with kids that had nothing to do with it. That's the same thing here. You got some drunk kid running onto the court and now everyone gets punished and I'm sure he gets something, but you're punishing the, the team and the players and everyone that puts that hard work in because of some drunk. Control your fans. I mean, it would force the... Yeah, I mean, but then you're going to be erecting fences and you're just going to make it look so ridiculous. I don't know. When we started the show today, I was not anticipating Evan being the oldest man possible in terms of the rules that he just put out in his top 10 rules. And now he's just, oh, yeah, control your fans. Ban everybody from the postseason. What is going on? That speaks to your lack of preparation more than anything else. (laughs) (laughs) The teams that are banned, though, those are the teams that are not, like, the the national championship contenders are likely not storming the court. Duke's not storming the court. Purdue's not storming the court. Uh, North Carolina is not. I am not the a fan of punishing people. It. I'm not a fan of punishing people who didn't commit the crime. That's what I don't want. Some drunk storms the court. He injures some guy. Okay, that's a problem. But now we're going to punish the team, the the winning team for this. No. Well, plus, okay, so you're going to have some away fans in the stadium. What if yeah, they exactly. decide to storm the court just to try to get the other team eliminated from the postseason? Now yeah. you're thinking. So I've thought of this. This is where you go into the. European soccer, whereas when you go into a European soccer stadium, you have to say what team you're rooting for, so they put you in a certain section of the stadium, so all of the visiting fans are in the stadium in a certain section, and they can't move. They can't get on the field. They can't get from section to section. It's completely blocked off by cops. Is that what we want? Is that what we've become? That's what we need. That's not not what we need. Have you ever watched one of those games? They're lighting the stadium on fire. They're throwing flares on the field. They're completely out of control. Those games are out of control. It's not about the hero we deserve. It's about the hero we need. No, I I am not for more rules and regulation on everybody. Now, look, we got to be able to enjoy ourselves somewhat responsibly, but that's part of college, going and making stupid decisions and learning from your mistakes. Not egregious, law-breaking decisions, but, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. Did you even have fun at college, Wilner? I'm curious. Did you no, even have a beer? No. no you, why do you did even you have, have to a ask? single underage beer the whole time you were there? The yes. answer is clearly no. I got, <laughs> you say yes. I, I wonder if that's I, true. I, I had one, and I got drunk. One singular one. <laughs> you, you smelled the beer once, and that was enough for him. Oh man! All right. Well, it seems like we're getting to the bottom of this. We have a, a comprehensive list of rules for court storming moving forward. <sighs> Okay. Where where do you print these? Do you print them right on like the the in you know right on the front door of the stadium so everybody has to read them before they yeah. come in? Is that where you're putting the top it's ten a, rules? Apple like sends it to like your it, phone. Yeah. You have to terms and conditions. You have there to approve it. I love that because we all read the terms yes, and conditions when we say, approve yes. it. I can't believe I've signed my life away so many times with that product. All right, he's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fornball. Carlin versus Joe. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Adam Schefter, ESPN NFL Insider. He's reporting. Get this. Get this. This is not a joke. The Giants, the Raiders, and the Cowboys all not placing the franchise tags on their star running backs. That means Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and why am I why is it blank? Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard. Not getting the franchise tag. Congratulations to Barkley and Jacobs. Pollard as well, but the other two have been through a lot. What's that all mean? We're gonna break that down next. He's Gabe Knight, so I'm Joe Fornball. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. 
This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, so get this. We're going to get right to work here. Gabe Neitzel, Joe Fornball, Carlin versus Joe. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. I feel like I said we were going to get right to work, and then I welcomed everyone in and talked about Progressive, and then I'm going to get to work. Kind of a lie. Whatever. We keep it moving. Train stops for nobody. From Adam Schefter. The Giants are not expected to tag free agent-to-be running back Saquon Barkley. The Cowboys are doing the same with Tony Pollard. They will not be tagging him. The Raiders are not tagging Josh Jacobs, whom they tagged last year. And the Titans won't tag standout veteran free agent to be running back Derrick Henry. Chargers also expected to let Austin Eckler head to free agency. So just to bring all of this together, the Giants not tagging Saquon Barkley. The Cowboys not tagging Tony Pollard. The Raiders, not tagging Josh Jacobs. The Titans, not tagging Derrick Henry. The Chargers, not tagging Austin Eckler. Means all those guys are headed for free agency. Quick note from earlier in the show, the Bengals are tagging free agent wide receiver T. Higgins. That number is going to be around $21.8 million. So he'll be back in Cincinnati, but all those running backs, Gabe, they're all headed to the open market. Congratulations to Saquon Barkley. You did it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess this isn't to expect. This is expected to me, especially for someone like Tony Pollard, because the, the second year of using a, tr- a franchise tag in a row, the price goes up just a little bit more, and he was pretty beat up throughout the course of the year. Yeah, he fizzled I, late. They, I think, yeah. they realize he's not an every down back. Yeah, that 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 kind of becomes the issue with them. But with the Giants, maybe they're just confident that they can ex- get him signed to a deal. Maybe they're trying to. Take a look at what happened at running backs last year and how nobody was spending any money on them and hoping that, okay, maybe we overpaid for Saquon last year. We can get that number to come down. I I cannot imagine the Giants offense without Saquon Barkley at this point because it was such a disaster last year. I I can't imagine what they would their plan would be without their best offensive weapon going into 2024. So great news for Barkley. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, when he took over with the Chargers, he did say Barkley was going to be a priority for them. Do you think the Chargers get aggressive going after Saquon Barkley? 
They don't have a ton of money to spend. That's the problem is they got to figure out their own cap issues. I know they're one of the teams that gets maybe a little bit more of assistance with the cap going up even more next year, but they've got to get cap compliant first before they decide to open up money for Saquon Barkley. I'm going to be really interested now with all of these running backs hitting the market. Like that's really got to suppress all of their value. Like none of them can really get a huge deal, right? Because yeah. of supply and demand. Because you're sitting. We now there. have we, all the demand. All the supply is out there. Saquon, you'd have to figure will get the most. And then if yes. you're Pollard, Jacobs, and Henry, while Henry has had an extraordinary career, he's on the back nine and probably yep. playing probably close to coming up eighteen. Eh, not 18, but he's on the back nine of his career, so his value is going to be tarnished a bit by that. I wonder, a lot of people said that's a move Dallas should have made last year to pair with Tony Pollard. I mean, the Cowboys probably can't afford to spend on any of these guys because they got to handle the Prescott situation first. His salary cap number is $59 million. They got to get that dealt with. They got to worry about CeeDee Lamb. They got to worry about Micah Parsons. I can't see them getting involved in any of this. Who are the teams that could be interested in spending some money and bringing in a running back that could help out? I mean, the big-time teams that have cash, like the Commanders are one. The yeah, Bears I mean, have a lot of money, but I don't know how interested they're going to be in bringing in running backs. I mean, they, they let a running back walk last year. I don't think they're interested in spending a lot of money on running backs. I think that's not something that they've shown they're interested in. I'm wondering if teams saw the success that the Lions had with Jameer Gibbs, that the the success that the Falcons had with Bijan Robinson, and they're really just going to dive into the draft this year. Going, hey, I mean, we can find a guy that can replace and be cost-effective. That's been the issue with running backs, right? Is that so many of these rookie guys have been able to come in and be not as good as Saquon Barkley or Tony Pollard or Josh Jacobs or Derrick Henry or Austin Eckler, but they're a decent enough replacement. It's a passing league anyway. We just got to run enough to keep the other defense honest, and we'll go on from there. I, Man, with as... as few dollars as were allocated to running backs last offseason. I can only imagine what that's going to be like this offseason with this deep of a running back field that's going to be available in free agency. Here are the top 10 teams in terms of available salary cap space, all of which have $52 million or more available. Number one, the Commanders, $96 million. Number two, the Patriots, $86 million. If you're going to bring in a young quarterback, you're going to want to get him some weapons on offense to help out. Tennessee at number three, $85 million. Bears, number four, $82 million. Colts, number five, $79 million. But Jonathan Taylor in that situation seems to be resolved for them. The Texans are six with $73 million. The Lions, they don't need a running back. They got $65 million available right now, but Jared Goff needs a new contract. Arizona in eighth at $57 million. The Raiders, ninth, $55 million. The Bengals, 10th, $52 million. Still have Joe Mixon, from what I understand. So those are some teams with some serious cash right there that could be interested in making a move. I don't know, though. Some of those don't need it. And like you said, with all these running backs flooding the market, again, supply and demand. Supply looks to be relatively robust. Austin Eckler is going to be out there as well. Yeah, all these guys can't get the big money deal. I can see Saquon, yes. Tony Pollard, no. Maybe Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, no. Austin Eckler's a really interesting one in terms of the cash that he gets. But teams, I mean, pretty much were a, a... accused of collusion last year against running backs. I imagine that most of these backs outside of Saquon could potentially be on the market for a while as teams try to figure, oh, we'll figure out what we can do and maybe if we've got a little left money left over, we can splurge on trying to sign a Josh Jacobs. 
This is this is is that not going to be a fast? Because with these teams, we saw you mentioned the the, the number of uh, salary cap dollars the Bengals have. They're more than okay spending twenty one million of that on a wide receiver. Yeah, and I'm sure every other one of those teams would be more than okay spending that money on a wide receiver. But if team if more and more teams are willing to franchise tag someone like their number two running back. Maybe they could, or excuse me, number two wide receiver. Maybe they're willing to spend just a little bit more on a running back this offseason because, I mean, some of those teams, as you mentioned, they need just weapons anywhere they can get them, especially if they have a young quarterback coming in. And these are the weapons that are available. Those top-tier wide receivers aren't going to be available to you because teams want to make sure they lock those guys up. They've got $12 million in cap space. I don't know what their situation looks like with unrestricted free agents, but one of these guys, I'd make a significant bet, one of these guys is going to end up in Baltimore. Baltimore has oh, very yeah. few concerns for the offseason, what they need to address. They have got to address the running back position. These guys get hurt every single year. I don't know if they have the money to bring in Saquon Barkley, but could you imagine that offense? Top 5-0 line, Lamar Jackson, Saquon Barkley, Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr., although it's a ghost of Odell Beckham Jr., but what do you think about that? And if it's not them, bring in a guy like Josh Jacobs. Just pound it between the tackles. Yeah, that, because that's the one thing that they need as a running back they can trust a little bit more. It's the one thing they got Someone away from in healthy. the AFC Championship game. Yeah, that's the other thing is finding one that can stay healthy. Yeah, they did. That position gets dinged up like crazy. All right, he's Gabe Neitzel. Always a pleasure with you filling in, my man. Thank you so much. I'm Joe Fordenball, Carlin versus Joe. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Freddie and Harry coming up next. I'm sure, they're going to be cooking with gas. Thanks for listening to the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Carlin versus Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin versus Joe podcast.